Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Our hearts are turning towards Christmas. We're thinking about Jesus born in Bethlehem, born in a manger, born of a virgin. And uh, uh, during this season, it's, it's customary to think on the prophecies, um, the prophecies of this child that would be born. Uh, so we're going to look at one of the most famous prophecies uh, from Isaiah chapter 7, in which um, Isaiah prophesies that there would be a virgin who would give birth to a child, and we would call his name Emmanuel. Let's read our text from Isaiah 7, and I'll read the whole chapter. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz the heart, and the heart of, the, of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shir Jashub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand. It shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Syria. And the head of Samaria uh, is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is uh, Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, "Ask an, a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, or as high as heaven." But Ahaz said, "I will not ask. I will not put the Lord." To the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary God, my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose good. 
For before the boy knows how to refuse evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. In that day, the Lord will whistle for the fly that is at the end of the streams of Egypt and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. And they will all come and settle in the streams and ravines and in the clefts of the rock and on the thorn bushes and all the pastures. In that day, the Lord will shave with a razor that is hired beyond the river with the king of Assyria, the head and the hair and the feet, and it will sweep away the beard also. In that day, a man will keep alive a young cow and two sheep, and because of the abundance of milk that they gave, he will eat curds for everyone who is left in the land will eat curds and honey. In that day, every place where there used to be a thousand vines worth of a thousand shekels of silver will become briars and thorns. With bow and arrow, a man will come there, for all the land of, will be briars and thorns. And as for all the hills that used to be hoed with a hoe, You will not come there for fear of the briars and thorns, but they will become a place where cattle are let loose and where sheep tread. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that you sent Jesus to die for us. Lord, we live in a world that still experiences the curse and your coming will sing joy to the earth there will no longer be thorns there will no longer be a curse Lord until then we long and we groan for your coming to be with us Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and help us to understand what your word says tonight, how you keep your promises. I pray that you give me grace. I pray, Lord, that you would silence the enemy, that we might hear from you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. In order to understand the prophecy of Isaiah, you have to, you have, to have a, an idea of the big picture of the Old Testament. Uh, it began in the garden. It began as, as God created all things. He, he created heavens, the heavens and the earth. He created the animals and the plants and everything, and it was all good. And he created human beings and placed them in the middle of a garden and he gave them one command, don't eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know that Adam and Eve both partook of the fruit and there was a curse that was given. 
The serpent was cursed, and he he. Uh, it says uh, that one day. Uh, for, for human beings, the men will have to, to uh, um, work the ground with toil and sweat. Uh, there'll be d- confusion and there'll be, there'll be um, a dissension between uh, men and women as a part of the curse. But one day, the seed of the woman, a descendant of the woman would come and would crush the serpent's head. And I believe the entire Old Testament, the entire Bible, is all an unpacking of that promise that a seed of the woman would come and crush the serpent's head. We see it when God comes to Abraham and He promises Abraham that He would have a seed who would come after Him. A seed who would bless all nations. A seed who, a descendant after him who kings would come from his line. We also see it in David. David in particular is very, very important to this passage right here because David is promised that one day he would have a son who would sit on his throne, a descendant who would sit on his throne, a seed. And, and that descendant would have a reign that would never end. That there would always be a son of David upon the throne. In the history of Israel, David started out as the king over both Israel and Judah, all 12 tribes together in a united monarchy. But that didn't last long. His son also ruled over a united monarchy, uh, uh, Solomon. But then Solomon's son, the the wisest man who ever lived, his own son, was a fool. He made foolish decisions. He didn't listen to the advice of the elders, and it split the kingdom in two. So that ten tribes broke off in the north, and all that Jerusalem had under its control were these two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. Judah, in the south, continued to have a king of the line of David. Some were good, some were not so good. But none of them had a reign that lasted forever. None of them had a reign... We we looked several weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, at Isaiah chapter 6, where Uzziah, the the king who was the grandfather of Ahaz that we just read about, he had had a reign for 50 years. It It was a golden age. Yet, even that came to an end. The the son of David that would have a reign that would last forever was something greater than what we see in any of those Old Testament kings. It was something that was pointed forward to. Uzziah died and he had a son and he had a son named Ahaz. Ahaz was king at this time about 700 years before Christ came. And as we see in the beginning of this passage, during these days of Ahaz, the son of David, this descendant of David, the one who the messianic hope resides in, 
Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came to wage war against it. They came to wage war against Jerusalem. They wanted to overtake it. They wanted to to defeat them. Israel in the north, those ten tribes, was making an alliance with Syria and they wanted to wipe out Judah. When David, when not not when David, when, when Ahaz heard about it, he was frightened. He was he was trembling. It says he shook like the trees that were shaken by the wind. And the prophet came. See, the question is, what will happen to this promise of God? This promise that there would be a seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, the seed of David who would sit on a throne forever, what is going to happen to this promise if they get wiped out by this political alliance? So the Lord says through Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz, but don't be afraid, don't tremble, because these, don't be afraid of these two smoldering firebrands, is what it says. These, these two, all they are is a couple of burning sticks. That's all they are. You're all afraid of them, but don't be afraid of them. It says, because Syria and Ephraim, that's the northern tribes, Syria with Ephraim has devised evil, evil against you. Um, What they want to do is not going to happen. This is what the Lord says. It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. This is what the Lord tells Ahaz. What he's afraid of, this this attack from Syria and and, uh, the northern tribes, Ephraim, what he's afraid of is not going to come to pass. He says, For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin, and within 65 years Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. The northern tribes. And what happened here is it came to pass. Isaiah is saying within 65 years... Ephraim, the northern tribes, will be shattered from being a people. And what we know is in 721... Assyria came in and destroyed the northern tribes. They destroyed Israel. Then it says, And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria, the son of Remaliah. He said, he's talking about these heads. The head of Syria is Damascus. He's saying the capital city of Syria is Damascus. And then the head of Damascus is Rezin. That would be the king over Damascus is Rezin. And then he jumps down and he says, the head of Ephraim, that's the northern tribes, is Samaria. That's their capital. The capital was Samaria. And the head of Samaria, that would be the king, is the son of Remaliah. What is he not saying? The head of, Ju- of Judah is Jerusalem. The head of Jerusalem is Ahaz. 
the Son of David. God has made promises to the Son of David. He says, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. He's saying, trust God. Believe. Trust Him. Live by faith. Don't be fearful. Don't be shaken at at these uh, political alliances that are coming at you, but stand firm in faith. He could be tempted to make political alliances of his own. In Isaiah, there's a warning not to make to go down to Egypt and make alliances with Egypt or, or to try to make alliances with Assyria against Syria and Israel. He's saying, don't trust in political alliances. Trust in the Lord. Be firm in faith. Believe in the promises of God. Then at a later time here, Isaiah records, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as the heavens. God is is wanting to, uh, to, to help Ahaz. He wants to help Ahaz by giving him a sign so that he can know, yes, I can trust in God. I can trust His promises to David. And he's, he's telling Ahaz, ask anything as high as the heavens or as deep as Sheol, as deep as the grave. He's saying, ask anything you want and I will give you that sign. But Ahaz responded in the way someone who didn't want to believe would respond. You know, we're told not to put the Lord to a test. We're not, we're, it, it, it's not really an honorable thing to, to just test God and, and just see, you know, is He really going really to come through in our, for, of our own initiative. But God Himself was telling him anything. You just name it. And Ahaz responded, not with faith, but with fear. He said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And this frustrates Isaiah. He says, hear, O house of David. And as he's saying, O house of David, he's addressing Ahaz, the the son of David, this descendant of David. Hear, O house of David, is, is it too little a thing for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. It's not going to be what He asks for as a sign. Instead, the Lord has chosen a sign that He would give to Ahaz so that he would know he can believe that what God said is true. And this is the promise. He said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. This is what we think about at Christmas time. Mary, the virgin, conceived and bore a child, Emmanuel, who was God with us, the Word who became flesh. This is so clear. The New Testament writers saw it clearly that this was such a, 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 a fulfillment of this prophecy. The scholars today look at this and scoff. 
They said, well, it couldn't have been that he was really prophesying Jesus seven years, 700 years in advance. It couldn't be that way. They point to the word here for virgin. The Hebrew word for virgin here is Alma. And they, they would say that Alma is not the normal word for virgin. It's just a young woman of marriageable age. As I read from the commentators... Um, one person had, had looked up every use of the term Alma in the Old Testament. And in most cases, it actually could be understood as a virgin. Then also, 250 years before Jesus, the Greek translation of the, New, of the Old Testament was, uh, was produced. It's called the Septuagint. And in, the, in that translation of the Old Testament, it uses the, word, the Greek word for virgin. So there was an expectation at least 250 years before, if not all the way up to the time of Isaiah, that this was talking about a virgin birth. Something that is a miracle. That just doesn't happen, right? We, we, 100 years ago... 150 years ago, uh, the, the liberal scholars and, uh, that, that would study the, the, the Scriptures in a tradition of liberalism, they would point to that and say, well, that couldn't really be. That must have happened after the fact. Or, or maybe the, the disciples there, they were just kind of reading that back into the text. No! The only way you would come up with something like that is if you don't believe that God could predict the future. But God does predict the future. He spoke 700 years before Jesus and said that there would be a virgin that would conceive and bear a son. And his name would be Emmanuel. Well, that wasn't really Jesus' name. His name is Jesus, right? Well, this son that's Emmanuel is called other things as well. In chapter 9, unto us a child will be given. His name will be Wonderful Counselor. Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Titles. Just saying that His name would be called Emmanuel doesn't mean that would be His given name. But Jesus is our Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. But how do we know? Let's look and see at the rest of this text and see... What would the expectation be for these early, for the Jewish people that were receiving this? He says, He shall eat curds and honey. That's talking about the child. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse evil and choose the good. So when he's just young enough to be able to know the difference between good and evil. A young child who's just coming to that stage. That's how old the child will be whenever he eats curds and honey. Now what is significant about curds and honey? Later on, here it says, it describes these dark days that are coming. The, the, Assyria is going to wipe out Israel and Judah the land is going to be you know, left to where it grows up and it's just thorns and thistles. We read about this already. But it says, because of the abundance of milk they give, he will eat curds and 
For everyone who is left in the land will eat curds and honey. Some have looked at this and thought, well, it's talking about abundance. It must be because they have so much. But no, everything around this is talking about how it's all barren and how forsaken. Instead, the curds and honey would be the, the, uh, the diet of extreme poverty. It's, it's that every day the same thing. Curds and honey. They don't have anything else. It's just curds and honey. What are we having today? Curds and honey. How about tomorrow? Curds and honey. Extreme poverty. And so as Ahaz hears this, I think what we're to understand is the king. The messianic one who is to be born. The one who would be the seed of the woman. The seed of Abraham. The seed of David. This one who is to be born. He's going to be born not in a palace. But he's going to be joining in the extreme poverty of his people. The the land will be wiped barren. The, the, The thorns and the thistle will grow up. And Jesus would be born. The Messiah, the one whom the whole Old Testament pointed to, would be born in a miraculous way. A virgin would conceive. He'd be born in a miraculous way and He would be born to identify with His people. In their extreme poverty. Jesus is our Emmanuel. He didn't come to be born in a palace. He didn't come to have to bring great glory to himself at the time, but no, he came as a servant to serve. He came to give His life as a ransom for many. The virgin birth tells us that Jesus was God Himself. That He was the Word made flesh. That He was God with us, Emmanuel. He wasn't any just natural person. But He was born to be a king. Born God Himself in the flesh. So it's Christmas time. And we'll sing songs, we'll sing carols. You go to the stores, the Christmas shopping, and you'll hear the Christmas music playing. And so often we think about the presents. So often we think about the family getting together. This text calls us to think about the miracle that took place. A birth like no other. We saw in the Old Testament how, how barren women like Sarah and Hannah and others, the wife of Manoah, had gone beyond child-rearing age, and yet 
they were able to give birth because of a miracle. This is one that blows that one away. Mary had never been with a man. We think on the miracle. And we think on Jesus coming and being with us. Identifying with us as our Emmanuel. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.